while Kenai has been traveling uh, since he was a puppy, it wasn't always like rainbows and butterflies. Kenai actually hated cars when I got him, literally would dig his heels in and try to slip out of his collar. And I'm like, okay, I literally got this dog to travel with and he doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so excited to talk to you in sort of in person, but you know, video finally, because we've been friends, online friends for years now, as we yeah. were both in the van bubble. You still have a, a van um, and you travel with your dog, which is what we're going to talk all about yeah. today. So do you want to tell us about your dog? Uh, give us his name, his breed, and then yeah, just a basic of what you guys do. You travel on the road. So explain that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my dog's name is Kenai. He is a Blue Merle Australian Shepherd. And this summer he will be seven years old. Um, and we travel most of the time in uh, my 144 Sprinter van. Yeah. So I, we're, we wanted to have you on because traveling with a dog is one of our most asked questions. And it has been ever since we started YouTube. People know our dog Kramer. Um, and they always have questions like, is it good for the dog? Is it safe? Like, what, what would you recommend? So I, I thought this would be an entire podcast episode because it's super niche down. And I know people are curious about the ins and outs of it and the good and the bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when we traveled, like, I mean, we can talk about what what we did in the van, but we're really curious about how you travel with your dog and and um, just kind of like all the adventures that you get into. Yeah, for sure. I think um, traveling with a dog, I think it really depends on the dog and your relationship with the dog um, as far as if it is safe or comfortable or whatever it may be. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of sacrifices, um, it, depending on how you look at it, you know, and then uh, it requires you to not be selfish sometimes. You know, you got to put the dog first in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think it's totally worth it if you're a dog person or you want companionship. Um, Kenai and I have been traveling pretty much his whole life together. And like I said, he's about to be seven. So that's a lot of years of experience uh, together on the road in one way or the other. So have you been in a van seven years? I'm just curious. No, no. Um, I actually did a lot of car camping the first two, um, but I've had my van for going on four years now. So that was, that was one of my questions actually is how, we've already covered the your van lifer, but how do you travel with Kenai? Is it, have you ever flown with him or have you ever had to go through all that before? So unfortunately Kenai is a lot bigger than he looks on camera. He's um, 55, almost 60 pounds. Um, and so no, we don't fly together, unfortunately, uh, but we drive everywhere together. Um, he's definitely stayed in hotels, Airbnbs, vans, RVs, you know, we've done tents, we've done it all. So, um, yeah, he, he has plenty of experience and, um, I'd say like his first birthday, I decided to take him to Colorado in my two door coupe, Nissan coupe. And we were just in that and we have just continued to progress from there. Wow. I love it. So he's, he's been on the road since he was a little pup. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of those questions people ask a lot is like, does the dog get used to traveling? And we've always said sort of what you just said of, you know, we took Kramer on the road from the time he was itty bitty. We would stick him in the car for weekend trips, which I think is the best way to introduce a dog to just yeah. being in a car. Yeah. And did you say before you did van life, you were in a car and you were traveling via car with, with so you went, you upgraded from like a smaller car to a van, is that right? Yeah, I don't want to give the impression that I was like full-time in this car, but like, for example, Kenai's second birthday, I packed up the SUV. I'd never pitched a tent before in my life, and we decided to drive to Banff. 
together for his birthday. Uh, so it was just us in an SUV all the way to Banff and we did the Canadian Rockies. And that was really like the the moment when I saw Kenai in his happiest form, just enjoying the campsite, chilling with nature. I had just like hand washed my clothes in a public bathroom and was hanging them at my campsite in my tent that I just learned to pitch a few days before. <laughs> and um, And I was looking at him and I was like, man, like, I could do this for the rest of my life. I think I actually made a like a Snapchat or something along that said something along those lines. And it's not like I immediately was like, I have to make this my life. But subconsciously over the next year, I found that I did make that my life. And then I bought my van. So um, yeah, I I would say we've ha- we've done the car thing. And then between vans, I had my Subaru and we were in that for um, for some trips. So yeah, we've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> wow, I love it. I love it. I, I, I personally, I think our dog Kramer is at his happiest when he's on the road or traveling in some capacity. It's new smells, it's new places. He loves the extra. I feel like we give him more walks, and he definitely gets more time at like dedicated parks. So to me, a lot of people say that it's not fair to a dog to make him travel. We've gotten that comment, or we yeah. used to get that comment a lot early on. When we lived in a van. Uh, but they think it's not fair to the dog. And I just, I mean, hearing you talk about it, it's like, no, you're so wrong. Like, I mean, maybe not for every dog, but for our dog and your dog, traveling is like the, it's their dream life. I mean, they get to be with us 24 seven and they're smelling new smells. And it's, I think it's perfect. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned that you've traveled with Kenai in hotels and vans and cars and everything else. What are considerations you take when you're leaving him alone? Like, I mean, do you ever have to leave him alone? And what does that look like? Yeah, um, I don't normally do it in hotels. I, if I'm staying in a hotel, like sometimes you know you get sick on the road or you just need a break from the van. That's the reality. Um, and so I may get a hotel here and there, um, or I may uh, do a short trip where I don't take the van. Whatever it might be, um, I don't normally leave him in the hotel. He's happier and feels more safe in his van because it's like his home. So if I am in the van and I'm at a hotel, I'm going to put him in the van and take him with me to whatever errand I have to run. It's not like I would go run an errand and leave him in the hotel. Um, But in the van, you know, we have temperature control with the fan, with the windows. I have a temperature gauge in the van. I actually have uh, cameras on all sides of the van that I can check at any time remotely. Um, and so I have that and I have one inside the van that I only turn on when he's in there alone. So that's a good, a nice help as well. So that's something that I do for peace of mind. Um, but also like on the side of the van, on the windows, I have a little sticker that says temperature controlled and remotely monitored. And so people won't like break my window because there's a dog in there. Right. Um, in this van, I actually have a partition. So I usually shut the door and no one even knows he's in there, but, um, I've taken a lot of precautions to make sure that he's comfortable and safe and even then I still feel like I don't leave him very very much I think the longest time I left him was this Christmas I won a lottery to do um, Angel's Landing in Zion and it was like uh, December 23rd or something like that so it was really not busy and the shuttles were shut down so I was able to park my van at the trailhead and I left him in there for that whole hike and that was probably the longest I've ever left him in the van Um, I normally don't do that because I personally just have a lot of anxiety about what could happen to my dog. Um, But some people I know leave them all day and that's fine. Um, But he's comfortable and is in the van. He, it's like his home because it is his home most of the year. So uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I do. It sometimes feels like it might be a little overboard, but it, it makes me feel safe and him safe. I'm sure. When it gets hot, 
or maybe, you know, like you're somewhere, whether it's in town or actually let's talk about like in town. And so you've talked about uh, um, hiking and trailheads a little bit, but like if you're in town and you're like, it's a little hot, maybe I won't, um, maybe I shouldn't leave him inside the, the van. Are there any places that uh, you would recommend that you're able to take your dog like while you're traveling or um, yeah, anything like that? So dog parks or anywhere by water is always going to be like 10 degrees cooler typically. So I'll try and find a, a parking spot near water, maybe a local pond or a lake. Um, and then, yeah, we'll go to dog parks just so we're both outside together and he's not like stuck in a van where the temperature can rise quite quickly in the summer heat. I tend to travel with the weather. So um, I had an AC in my last van, um, but I really didn't use it as much as I thought I would because if my dog's uncomfortable, I'm probably uncomfortable too. And running the AC 24 seven just isn't fun for me. So it was like, yeah, I'd rather just drive somewhere else. So that's what I do. Um, But sometimes you get those random hot days. And so we'll do what I just said. Um, But also I don't, I won't leave him in the van if I wouldn't want to be in the van. So sometimes I will order groceries to pick up at Target, like literally just order them on my phone, run in and grab them, get them in the van. Because sometimes you have to do those errands, right? I will do anything. I'll go have lunch on a patio at a brewery instead of um, going to get something by myself. I mean, that's just the way of way of life for me. It's like second nature. And to some people, it might sound like um, a hassle uh, at first, but you really, you get used to it. Yeah, no, I remember those days very well. Of, like <laughs> never wanting to leave Kramer alone in the van too long. Thankfully, nothing ever happened. I mean, we, he was always so comfortable and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, you do adjust, mm-hmm. you figure it out and you make yeah. it work. And a lot of time spent on patios and parks and um Man, I'm really missing van life but too we didn't right now. Mind it. Like we enjoyed it. It was it's yeah. still fun. Like I mean, you're right. You can go to breweries, hang out. I mean, a lot sometimes breweries will allow you to come inside and you know and let the dog inside and then traveling uh, with the seasons is important because we yeah. used to do that. How do we never cross paths on the road if we were both following the seasons? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you mentioned dog parks, and I want to know what's the best dog park in the country. Oh, in the country, my favorite by far is Bozeman, Montana. Yes. Um, Outside of the country, the one in Canmore, Alberta was amazing. That was the one that was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can't wait to go back actually. (laughs) So yeah. We haven't been to that one. Okay. Adding that to the map. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And honestly, like... They have, um, they have like a big lake and it's, um, I can't remember what the situation was, but it's a few acres of off-leash space and just like towering mountains. I remember being so impressed by it. I've seen a lot of mountains since then, but when I was there, I remember being very impressed. Oh, it's beautiful there. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just mention this one in case anybody's listening, but the best dog park in the country to us is the one in Seattle, or it's actually in Redmond, Washington, mm-hmm. outside Seattle. If you haven't been there yet, you need to go to this one. It's how, it's like what at least 20 acres oh. there's like a river that goes through it there's like multiple entry points for the dogs it's yeah. just it's, it's chaos heaven. but it's amazing it's amazing <laughs> marymore marymore park in redmond we always joke that we're gonna write a book about like dog parks in america because yeah. we've been to so many of them yeah. now it's just no only other one that comes to my mind is the one in houston and it had it had like a swimming pool for dogs but it was in the shape of a bone that's the only other one it wasn't a great park but it was I just like swimming pool. I spend way too much time in dog parks. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually am going to Washington um, in a few weeks, so I will have to check that one out for sure. You have to. <laughs> I 
I was also going to say I should clarify about the Bozeman, Montana one, because um, there are two. There's the one in town, which is great, but then there's also an off-leash, like, recreation area, and I want to say it was over 20 acres of land, um, and it's really nice, too. So they're both great. (laughs) Oh, I don't think we've been to that one. I think the one we went to is the one in town that has like the little pond in it. Yeah, that one's cute. Um, the one I, and I do love that one, but the one, um, it's called Snowfill Recreation Area. And that's the one the locals told me to go to and they were right. Everyone's there. There's like 50 golden retrievers running around at any time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. It's so Bozeman. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I love Bozeman. Remind me again, what kind is, can I, what kind of dog is he? He's a Blue Merle Australian Shepherd. Okay, let's talk about his name for a second, because I, I know what you're up to this summer, yes. and I think it'd be really cool if you could tell people like where the name came from and what what you guys are doing this summer. So it's a huge expedition of the two of you, so tell us about what you guys are up to. I'm going to get emotional just like talking about this, just fair warning, but um, Keen I so I guess I should backtrack a little bit. Um, in 2016, I had just come back from a summer in Europe. And when I came home, my mom was like, I could have sworn you were going to come home and tell me you fell in love with some Spanish man and we're never going to move back to the U.S. And what I came home and said was, I want a dog. <laughs> I want a dog to travel with me. <laughs> um, and so when I came home. Forget the, forget the guy. Right. And honestly, it's been that way ever since, right? Yeah. So I, um, I got him. <laughs> Well, actually, I I flew home and I flew from Spain, where I had been staying on the Canary Islands um, working. I flew from Spain to Anchorage, Alaska, of all places, because my grandparents were there um, on a trip. And I was just, I'd been there once before, but I was just in love with Alaska and the mountains and the Kenai Peninsula. And so I was like, I'm going to name my dog Kenai because... um, because I love this place. It's beautiful. And his eyes are blue and everything here is just blue. Right. So, um, I named him Kenai and the last time I was in Alaska was that trip right before I came home and, and found Kenai and got him and adopted him. And so, um, that trip was with my grandparents and my grandpa and Kenai were actually born to the day, 70 years apart. So they were born on July 27th. And, um, we have thrown like birthday parties for them together um, they did for the first couple of years, but my grandpa got sick and he passed away a couple of years, about four years ago. And so um, oh. I still celebrate Kenai's birthday and my grandpa. And this year for Kenai's seventh birthday, we are driving to Alaska to show him what he's named after. And it's going to be a pretty epic trip because wow. it's my favorite place in the States. And then also... Last time I was there, I was with my grandpa, and we're celebrating their birthdays. Wow. That's going to be so fun. I mean, that's a huge trip, but the meaning behind it's awesome, too. Is your grandmother going with you? She is actually just going to fly in for a little bit, I think. Um, she has two cats, okay. so she doesn't really leave leave them for very long, and I'm planning to be there pretty much all summer. Okay. Oh, that's going to be amazing. So it's just you and Kenai driving to Alaska. That's incredible. So this is a question I think – I get this question a lot when we travel with Kramer internationally is – um, what what does it take to travel internationally with a dog? Like I know Alaska is technically America, but you have to drive through Canada. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you getting everything together? What vaccines, what paperwork are you taking with you to Alaska for Kenai when you drive through Canada? Yeah. So last time we went through Canada, you know, I did the checklist of what they tell you to do, which is have their vaccine records, make sure they're up to date, and then like make sure the vet clears their health 
whatever. It's pretty basic. It's usually just like one sheet of paper for Canada. And they didn't even look last time I was there. So um, he has an appointment in a couple of weeks because we're leaving at the end of this month. Um, and so he has an appointment to get up to date on all his vaccines for the year. And we'll get that exam done and he'll be good to go. And I'll have that paper just in case. But Canada is typically pretty lax. Um, that I last time I was there, they were anyways. <laughs> That's what we've noticed too, just driving. I don't think I've ever one time had somebody ask me for his rabies certificate, but other countries are very strict. Yes. Mm-hmm. It just depends. Yeah. But I mean, Canada yeah. and Mexico, expect, I mean, being near the States, I feel like they're... They're pretty lenient. Yeah, they're pretty lenient. I think once you start venturing outside of those countries... It's a little more strict. It's a little difficult. So, so okay, this is another question we get asked a lot, and it's... What kind of training did you do with Kenai? Did you do anything special to get him ready to be a good travel dog? Besides just, you know, acclimating him to the car or the van or whatever that is, did you put him through good training so that you know that without a shadow of a doubt he's going to come back when he call, he's called or that he's going to respond well in any situation? Like, what kind of training does he have? Uh, he has a lot of training. I want to say, first of all, that while Kenai has been traveling uh, since he was a puppy, it wasn't always, like, rainbows and butterflies. Kenai actually hated cars when I got him literally would dig his heels in and try to slip out of his collar and I'm like okay I literally got this dog to travel with and he doesn't want to go anywhere (laughs) um but it just took it took um basically just consistently positive reinforcement so I would only put him in the car if we were going to go get ice cream get a snack go see some of his favorite people like Mimi my grandma or my mom you know whatever so he I would only do positive things and it didn't take very long for him to realize the car is a good thing and he actually go or load up is just his favorite word in the whole world now so for anyone who has a a dog who doesn't like the car I'm not saying it works for everyone but it's possible to train them positively to love the car because mine does um it's funny to think about now, though, because he's like obsessed with the van and he would have never gotten in a van as a puppy. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, I will say that I kind of I'm kind of a nerd in the sense that I want to know everything about about whatever I'm getting into. Like with the van, I watched a million YouTube videos before I tried to build my first one. Right. Um, with the dog. I took tests on like what dog would be best for my personality. I researched how to train that type of dog. I researched how to train your dog. Like I did so much before I I got him because I felt like I was going to have a dog. I wanted to do it the right way. And um, so I, he was potty trained within the first week. He was sitting, shaking and stuff as a nine week old puppy. And from there, we just kind of went on to, to train more. Um, we struggled with socialization because at the time I was living um, at our family lake house because I'd just come back from Europe. I didn't have a primary residence at the time. And so he didn't see a lot of other dogs. And then I saw that develop later. As he got older, um, he would bark and lunge at dogs when we would go on walks. So I had to call in a professional for that when he was two. And we did some reactivity training. And now dog parks and doggies are another one of his favorite words. So it just you just have to know your dog and, and train him. So um, that's all I can really say is, you know, identify the areas that need improvement and then figure out either you or with a professional how to fix those things. And patience too. Yes. And we do get that question a lot of like people asking like they you know, they have an eight year old dog and like my dog does has never liked riding in the car. And you know, maybe the dog is so old that it's not gonna learn, but like it is possible. I mean, you said that you taught Kenai to get comfortable with the car. So it's not impossible, but 
On the flip side of that, we also have people ask us a lot, um, you know, they want to live in a van or they want to travel internationally and they see everybody else doing it and they want to get a dog. And so they ask, well, what kind of dog should I get? And my first reaction is always like, if you don't have a dog yet, wait, because it does change. Like we already talked about, it changes everything. Yeah. I mean, it's not a kid, but in some it ways. the way you yeah. travel. Like, I mean, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, like we wouldn't trade Kramer for anything, but he, I mean. And Most he, days. I mean, he's actually behind me, like, you know, sticking me up right now. It's like, <laughs> say, be careful what you say, but. I, yeah, it just changes the way that you like operate when you travel and then even interacting with other people on the road, like in dog parks or like they have dog, like it, it just changes the way how you structure everything that comes into your life. And so I think that's why you say, why hold off unless you're really, really committed, you know, maybe get a goldfish instead. But even then that's. Try checking that in TSA or TSA. <laughs> No liquids. <laughs> wonder if you could. I guess not. No liquids. <laughs> dogs are like, they are the best travel companions. Like, I mean, dogs like, you know, uh, Australian Shepherd. That's what he is. Australian Shepherd and Doodle. I mean, they're both just so loyal that, I mean, they're great. But any dog could be great at traveling. It just takes a lot of patience. I mean, Kramer, I don't think he's ever minded the car, but I know now that our van was his favorite place ever. I mean, we would open up our back door at our house and he'd run out to the van and hop in immediately without us even telling him, like, we're not even going anywhere. And he just hops in the van. It was so his home. it was his home. He felt safe. It was small. It was cozy. And I don't know. I think, I think dogs are, I mean, they're resilient animals, but yeah. they just want to be wherever you are. Traveling, you're interacting with so many different people and like, you know, you're at dog parks or breweries and sometimes there are situations that come up and you can't, you, you can only react to them. Like you have, that's the only time, like the response that you have is to react. And I mean, actually in, I think it was Bozeman, wasn't it? Oh, actually, yeah, that yeah. was the one time we ever had a bad. We, we had a bad experience with another dog in Kramer and um, Kramer ran into the lake. We were playing fetch and the dog saw Kramer uh, run into the lake and then held Kramer under the ground, or under the, the water and ripped his throat open. We had to take him to the ER and, and just, it was an awful, awful experience. And the lady, you know, she was so kind and kind. And she had just adopted that dog literally either that day or the day before. I mean, it was really, really decent. Yeah. And, but ever since then, when Kramer sees, it's more of a, like a darker husky uh, uh, dog. When, when Kramer sees a dog like that, he's really hesitant. Anybody else, he's great. Any, like any, anything else. So we've, we've had to adapt and learn to, kind of structure Kramer and, and not that he acts awful. It's just like, we know to he's skittish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm skittish. So have, has there been any situations that you've encountered on the road, whether it be other dogs or people or anything like that, that, um, you've had to slowly like unteach your dog that it's going to be okay and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, actually, first of all, I'm pretty sure that same Husky in Montana may have attacked my dog. <laughs> um, the only dog that's ever went after him is actually like a darker husky and it was in Montana, Bozeman, Montana. So that's very interesting that you say that, but he doesn't really like huskies now either. <laughs> um, he neither, yeah, does, neither Kramer. does Kramer. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, there was another one and it was after the Bozeman situation. There was another one um, at a van gathering whose dog just like went straight for, it was a husky again, went straight for a canine's neck. Um, and that was really scary, but he hasn't like suffered from that. I, 
honestly, I think we spend so much time together. I work remotely, we travel, all of that, but I can see based on just like the way his tail is moving if I need to step in before it ever even happens. Like you just build this like relationship with your dog on the road that's unparalleled to one that you would have in the house, I think. Um, And so it's hard for people who haven't done it to understand probably, but I'm sure you do, that you just, you can register and you can read your dog just like you would a kid, uh, their expressions and what's going on, how they're feeling. So um, thankfully, yeah, that I would say that's the the biggest thing is just paying attention to him and watching his body language. And I can usually see it before it starts. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's, I mean, same for Kramer. Like, I, I mean, I'm surprised Kramer recovered from the Husky. Even his trainer was like, that doesn't like when a dog gets attacked like that, usually they don't bounce back. Mm-hmm. Like that just means like, I guess he trusts us and probably can I trust you too. But, um, yeah. Oh gosh, that makes me really wonder. Like, please, please, everybody know we don't dislike huskies. Right. I love yeah, all dogs, of but it's just coincidental. That is. Well, the other thing I was going to say is because Kenai was reactive as a puppy, and it was strictly fear-based because he hadn't been ex- like properly socialized because we were living kind of isolated when he was a puppy. Um, because he was trained with his reactivity with the professional trainer um, we worked on him laying down in like a submissive pose before the dog any dog like he approaches any dog so when we're at the dog park he will lay down and wait for the dog to come to him or he will look at me and wait for me to say go say hi typically and so he knows boundaries a little bit more than most dogs I think and that has helped significantly and it wasn't anything I did I mean the trainer it was the trainer's idea but I've loved that because um, we have a cue with safe people and safe dogs because I can ask the human is your dog friendly before I let him go up to it um and that the go say hi is his way of knowing that mom says this is safe so we're good so um that's kind of how we navigate that I guess that's good yeah I mean that's you have a really smart and very well-trained dog (laughs) I want to give Kramer credit like he's he's well-trained and he he's smart but he's not he's not Australian shepherd smart (laughs) he's well you know he's just very loving (laughs) he uh, he, he has his moments too. I mean, he can be a handful sometimes too. I think any dog can, but yeah, I've, I've been very blessed with, yeah. with a smart and very driven to please type of dog. There's, I didn't want to, I don't want to change subjects too much on this, but there is something that we followed you on social media earlier this year that was pretty traumatizing. Um, and we can skirt around it as much or as little as you want. Um, but it kind of comes down to the question of like, People ask us, why do you not just leave your dog at home? And we do sometimes if it's we can't take him with us or if it's going to be too taxing on him versus leaving. If it's too taxing on him to go with us versus leaving him at home, we will leave him home. Um, but something happened to you that sort of like reminded us, like, I don't want to leave my dog with anyone. Can you talk <laughs> about that a little bit? Yeah. I know it's sensitive, so sure, yeah. you guide it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I have to be really careful about how I word this uh, for – for legal reasons but if you can imagine this like highly trained human-like dog that's like my child and he just uh disappears someone lost him you know and i didn't know where he was he was in this national forest that was huge it was insane there was a drone team and search dogs and hundreds of people from all over were coming to help hang posters or share on social media. It was it was amazing that we found him safe 15 days later, but that really reaffirmed that I don't 
I'm not going to leave my dog with just anyone. It's put international travel actually on the back burner for me. I went ahead and went to Europe recently and that was really hard because leaving him after what had happened uh, a few months prior was, was really hard. Um, and so, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. You can't just trust anyone in the past. I've hired, um, you know, rover sitters and stuff like that sometimes to stay at the house with him. And going forward, I don't even know if I can do that. Um, I actually have driven from Oklahoma to Montana to make sure my dog is with a safe, in a safe space with family that I trust just to make sure of that. After everything that happened, I don't think I'll ever be able to trust someone who doesn't know him extremely, extremely, extremely well. Um, to stay with him. And it's not because he's a flight risk. It's just like anything can happen to anyone and um, you have to be totally sure. So I'd rather have him with me if I can. And I would rather not travel internationally right now because of it. And you're so lucky that Kramer fits in a backpack. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He barely does. I mean, he's opposite of can I, people see him in person and they say he's a lot smaller than I expected. He is. He's, <laughs> And most of it's hair. It really is. He's big in the heart, though. He's got a lot of heart. A lot of heart. But, you know, he's he's strong. He's a king. But, yeah. I don't want to skip over that story, though, because no. that's, I mean, that's a hard one for you to say. And I'm so, I remember, like, the moment you posted, like, you had found Kenai. And I, like, freaked out. I was like, Grace, you found him. I was, like, yeah. so excited. And for those of you who don't know, and I don't know if these stories are live, and we're, we're not going to go into to full detail, but um, it was 15 days of I you can feel the tension through social media and um and just your story and like the amount of effort and the amount of pain that you had to go through and like I mean because eventually like you know you've had Kenai for seven years like he's your family like he's part of your family Kriwer's a part of our family most people that are probably listening to this that they have a pet they're part of their family and now some people um they treat them differently than um than how we treat our pets, but like the amount of effort that you had to go through and the just unknowing, like just, it was such a crazy story. And um, the effort that you put in to find him too was really incredible. But yeah. I just, I mean, every day that passed, it was like, oh my gosh, it's been another day. Yeah. And then you found him and it's just like, whoa, like all that work and yeah. everybody that came together for you, it was just, it, it was yeah. worth it. Amazing. You know. So I don't know if people are able to go watch um, or go to your, I don't know if that's available or yeah, not. Yeah, there's, but... there's a highlight on my, no, not all of it. There's a highlight on my Instagram um, that kind of shows, um, that shows like my updates from every day. You can still see that. Um, and you can see um, the video of when I got him back, you know, he, and this just goes to attest to what we've said, that the dogs actually love our vans, their safe space, their home. Because when I got him back, I actually, um, a man had called me and said, I think your dog's out by my pond, basically, is what he said. And I didn't, at this point, it's 15 days. I've had so many false sightings because I'm in an area where there's tons of Australian shepherds and people think all of them look the same. And so I'm kind of down in my my hopes at this point when someone says they see him, I'm like, oh yeah, I bet like <laughs> it's probably not him. Um, but I went anyways because it was the end of the day and um all you have is hope at that point, right? So um I went, I, I took my van because I had been sleeping in the forest where he was last seen. I took my van down to this guy's house and I pulled up and 
honestly, every dog specialist that I talked to, and I contacted quite a few, um, they all said that if you see your dog, he's not going to run to you. He's going to be in fight or flight mode. He's going to run away, um, whatever. And when I got out of the van, the guy was like, hey, um, he was bound around behind the barn. Just call for him. I'm sure he'll come to you. And so in my head, I'm like, no, they said they won't, but I'll give it a try because why not? So I just called his name and <laughs> this dog comes, Kenai comes running from behind a barn and he stops and he just kind of stares at me. And I, I realize it's him. He's in the headlights of my van and he just jumps into my arms and is crying and I'm crying. It was like the super emotional scene that no one got on video because no one thought that it was going to be him. Right. And um, I put him in the van immediately. He hops right in. And from that second, you can just see he just melts into like a puddle. Like I'm holding his chin up because he's so exhausted from 15 days of, of surviving in this ice storm in the national forest. And um, anyways, you could see that he finally felt safe, that he was home in his van and he was comfortable again. And that just goes to show like that is his home. It's not cruel to put him in there, leave him in there for a few hours. <laughs> and um, also that, People don't understand the relationship of you and a dog when you're together 24-7 because I think if he had been a normal house dog that I left all day and came home after work to, he probably would have been in fight or flight mode and ran the other way if I had called for him. But he didn't because we are literally like attached at the hip. So I'm very lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy he's back. He's such a cutie. Like. Yeah, I remember we were actually, and I still reference your story to Chris, and we're like, we were trying to find a dog sitter recently. We actually found one that we really like, and we're really thankful that she came around. But um, I was so nervous. I was like, I can't, like, I already, that was always like my greatest fear anyway, is like I wouldn't leave him with anybody. Um, and then that happened to you and Kenai, and it made me like super edgy. But yeah, I was, we finally found someone, but yeah. it was hard. We don't want to leave our dog with just anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like we've already touched on the fact that you're going to Alaska this summer, summer 2023. And then I think you said you guys were heading off somewhere else next summer. So can you tell us about that? Oh, um, well, we'll see if that if that comes to fruition. But um, so last month or this past month, actually, I had to go to Europe for a work trip and decided to invite my grandmother with me because she had taken me to Paris when I was younger. And so I was like, I have to take you now, obviously. And that was just a logical thing to do. So she went with me and then we rented an RV from indie campers in paris and we drove from paris to rome in this rv so i tried van life europe and i was just like this is not enough time and i want my dog to be here so i'm really looking into the possibility of shipping my sprinter van or something over to europe for van life europe for a little bit maybe six months because of travel reasons we'll see but i have seen it done um there's a there's a a YouTube channel called Famagogo. I don't know if you've seen them, but they have a, a Winnebago Revel and they shipped their Revel, I think from Maine to Norway. And then they did like Switzerland and a bunch of other countries before COVID hit. So um, I have hope that there that I can do it too. Um, I know the numbers. I know it's possible. The, the biggest thing for me, because my dog doesn't fit in a backpack, will be getting him from the States to Europe because I refuse to put him in cargo. So um, I'm gonna have to get creative with that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's definitely on my radar. We'll see how, how everything unfolds. 
I want to say this. We don't have to put this in the podcast because I don't know how much this costs. But I did see on Instagram this girl. She um, there's like this private airline, and it's not like they're not seven thirty seven like massive jets or anything like that. But they're like private jets that are big enough to get across the Atlantic Ocean, and they pay to have. She had like three dogs, and the ones that were small enough to go in the plane went with her husband. And then she took, I think it was like a golden retriever with her on this private plane. And the whole idea is that this plane is just for dogs traveling to Europe that don't want to go into cargo. And I think she said, maybe I'm wrong, but I want to say it was like $5,000 or something like that. So it was like, I think she said it was like the same price as like a first class ticket to Europe. So it was her and her dog. And they didn't have to wear like seatbelts or anything. Like it was, if I can ever find it again, I'll send it to you. But there is an airline out there that flies from like I think it's New York, New York somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah, straight somewhere to in the Northeast, yeah. straight to Europe. Wow. So I know it's pricey, but if, yeah, I mean, no, it's, actually, it's a possibility. You never know. <laughs> I'm in like a lot of Facebook groups for um, chartered uh-huh. planes for pets because it's been on my radar for a while. But this trip to Europe just kind of confirmed okay. it. Um, and five thousand sounds really reasonable. Yeah. A lot of what I've seen is about ten thousand. Um, but the other option I've seen, okay. which you have to really plan ahead, is have you heard of Cunard cl- Cruise mm-hmm. Lines? Yes. Do they allow dogs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I think it's Cunard Cruise Lines. They allow dogs. Um, they have one boat. I think it's called like the Queen something. Um, and so many spots. The Queen Mary. Yeah, yeah. Queen Mary, I think. Um, and you can you can board your dog and do a transatlantic uh, to Europe. So, uh, but you have to plan ahead because those fill up quickly. Yeah. That's so funny because we did actually look at that recently. Oh. We yeah. saw them as like on vacations to go. We've like, I contacted you about um, van life in Europe and see what your thoughts were on it. And then we started looking into it and we thought about flying over one way and then taking the Queen Mary back. I don't know if the dog spots are open or not, but I've looked into it. It looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. You'll have to fact check me on that because it's been a while since I looked into it. But yes, there is one cruise line that lets you board your dog. And unfortunately, they are in a kennel, but you do get to let them out like three or four times a day and walk them in certain areas and stuff. And I think that's much better, in my opinion, than putting them in cargo. So it's an option. I'm still exploring. But yeah. Last question as we close this out. What is one piece of advice that you have for anyone who wants to travel with their dog, whether they have a dog or they want a dog, what would you say about travel in general with a dog? (laughs) You know, there's a few things that I could say. And I know you said yours is like wait. And I think that that's good advice. But also if you're really certain that you want a dog, I say do it. Just understand the research and commitment that it entails it is for their whole life you don't have to be as like crazy obsessed with your dog as i am but you do need to know that you're gonna have it for like a minimum of 10 years right and um it does sometimes mean like i said uh missing out on maybe a national park or driving 10 hours instead of flying depending on the dog you get um and sometimes it means having to go to the patio dog friendly restaurant over the top rated five star restaurant that you want to try you know it just depends but uh, if you, if you want it and you truly, truly want it and you know that that's what you want, then do it. I mean, sharing, especially if you're solo, I will say this, sharing travel with someone, whether it be a dog or another person elevates the experience tenfold. And that's, that's my experience. There have been trips where I've done alone internationally or something like that. And it's just, Having someone to share it with is so much better. It's really well said. I agree with that. I know I said wait, but now I've changed my mind. Like you said it better. You just need to understand the commitment. Yeah. It's not easy because I don't think people realize it is difficult and it changes the way you do it, but that's very well said. Yeah. So thank you, Allie. Yeah. Yeah. So Allie, where can we follow you? Like what, what, how can we send people to you to follow oh. your journey? Um. So 
I am on TikTok and Instagram as Allison Overland. That's A-L-L-Y-S-O-N and then Overland, like overlanding. Um, and then also I will hopefully be documenting this entire uh, Kenai trip uh, to Alaska on YouTube. I have never made a YouTube video myself in my life, so I'm excited to give it a shot. I've worked in social media marketing for years and manage YouTube channels, but to have my own is something I'm going to test out. So um, if you would like to see Kenai experience his seventh birthday in the place that he was named after, you can follow us on YouTube as Allison Overland as well. Awesome. I'm so excited to follow along. Get that YouTube channel going. We'll be watching. (laughs) Thank you so much, Allison. It was so fun chatting with you and good. good luck in Alaska. Thank you so much, you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to What No One Tells You with Chris and Sarah. If you have a comment or question that you want answered on the air, be sure to send us a message to hello at chrisandsarah.com or you can call or text our phone number at 423-825-9572. Thanks for listening.